Hot Hardware's 2.5 Geeks is brought to you by Gigabyte's AMD X570 ARS motherboards for third-generation AMD Ryzen 3000 processors. Hit the link in the description below for more details. In this episode of Hot Hardware's 2.5 Geeks, we'll have beefy badass SSDs, reasonably priced Galaxy S10Es, HP's 65-inch monster gaming TV, and some retro gaming goodness, too. Next. Welcome back to yet another episode of Hot Hardware's Two and a Half Geeks, uh, where this show we will probably revert to we two geeks or a couple of geeks or something, because it's only me and Marco today. We got our geek on, but there's only two of us holding down the fort currently at, at this juncture. How are you doing today, Marco? I'm, I'm doing well. I cannot complain. It's a little warm over here in the Connecticut lab, but uh, kids are behaving. Weather's beautiful. Dog's behaving. I uh, got an article done, so good stuff today. <laughs> you did. You've been productive. It's always good when when things are productive. Yes. Yes. Um, I am. Uh, I, I'm a little afraid today. Been uh, been scrambling. Uh, lots of um, multitasking going on. Shifting gears from one domain to the other, whether it be um, you know working with uh, the good OEMs that we deal with or. Uh, you know, uh, sort of housekeeping stuff, just all over the map and uh, hard to focus, but um, we will prevail <laughs> for sure. And uh, we are, we're without Chris today. We're without Paul today, either of the two other knuckleheads that we typically have on the show. Um, but uh, we decided to uh, to go it alone because it's been a little while. We're, we're also at a different time slot than normal. We we mixed it up on you again, yet again, the four o'clock time slot here. Usually we're Wednesdays at seven, but we're going to actually um, try and pull it in a little bit earlier, I think. Um, and we will notify everybody on that as well. But um, yeah, yeah, some some interesting stuff. How's your workload been lately, buddy? You're, uh, you're, you're gearing up in the labs for all kinds of testing, uh, I imagine, right about now. Yes, it, it's been a little nuts. So I had a bunch of SSDs show up, some unannounced and some I, they were intriguing. So I said, yeah, let me take them on. And with perhaps some impending CPU launch coming, um, it would require me redoing all the test beds because I want to make sure we're using the latest firmware and OS updates. But I had to test SSDs completely first because that's where I had all my reference data was on an existing platform. So I burned through seven SSDs the last few days. And uh, now next to me over there is a, a CPU test bed running some fresh tests in preparation for something that's coming soon. And uh, yeah, then right after that, I have to jump into a whole bunch of new GPUs. So it is going to be an exciting couple of weeks. A little something, something is coming. That's all you can say, huh? A lot of something, something from a lots of something, <laughs> somethings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, tis getting busy. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, which is uh, which is the way we like it. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, lots of stuff afoot. As many of the uh, viewers are probably aware, um, obviously AMD is um, they're they're locked and loaded with their. Uh, third generation Ryzen uh, Zen 2 processor, Ryzen 3000 series. So we can't say when and where, but you know all about it already, or at least the pertinent details 
we'll be we'll be showing you how it performs in the the days and weeks ahead and that's about all we can say um cool stuff to be to be playing with all new tech right buddy that's that's what we live for very cool <laughs> stuff it is definitely exciting to be a pc geek again lots of good stuff and and it's exciting to be the birthday boy happy birthday brother man it thank is you very much today it is i'm, I'm 17 yes. today <laughs> beautiful. Uh, almost i'm beautiful. almost an, almost an adult i'm getting there <laughs> i'll be i'll be the elder statesman at 27 is that okay is that work <laughs> yeah you don't look a day over 26 <laughs> appreciate that you're too kind you're too <laughs> kind well yes happy birthday and thanks for joining me on uh when when there's only two of us i mean i'm not sure i could do this gig alone so i appreciate you taking your birthday late here near beer 30 uh when you're probably looking to to embark on some festivities so so thanks for that um and uh with that let's uh have no further ado shall we because um, we should you know, dive right in and uh, get going on the good stuff here. You just got through launching this article today. You, you smart guy, you. Samsung's SSD 970 Evo Plus 2 terabyte review, burly, speedy NVMe storage, burly and badass, I would call it. This is a very popular line of SSDs, and now we've got the biggest honkinest uh, capacity version of it. What do you know, buddy? Uh, good stuff here, for sure, from the folks at Samsung. Yeah, absolutely. So the SSD uh, 970 Evo Plus series, the, the first wave of drives hit in, I believe it was late January. Um, Samsung, in that initial announcement, they did announce the two terabyte model, but it was supposed to come later in Q1. So it took a, a little bit longer, obviously, but the two terabyte drive has shown up. It is based on the same Phoenix controller as all of the other drives in the lineup. But what makes this one just a little bit different is it has double the uh, DDR4 cache. So the two terabyte drive has two gigabytes of uh, LPDDR4 cache memory on board. The one terabyte drive only has one gig and it goes smaller from there for the lower capacity drives. And then obviously there's more NAND flash memory on this drive because it is a two terabyte model. But if you um if you put this bad boy through its paces, you know, you see some killer numbers like the other drives in the lineup. We're talking reads in the 3.5 gigabyte per second range with writes in the 3.3 gigabyte per second range. And interestingly, um, this drive also had the best latency of the bunch. So if you look at some of our iometer numbers, now we're talking minuscule differences because all of the high end uh, NVMe drives are fairly fast, but the best read and write latency. And, you know, it achieves its rated uh, speeds in sequential transfers. If you check out Crystal Diskmark, you'll see the drive did, you know, almost 3.6 in reads and 3.35 in writes, which put it at the top of the charts. There, there were a couple of anomalies where, like in Addo, where performance tapered a bit, and it didn't take the top spot in the trace-based tests but they're all right there. We're talking a couple of points separate the fastest of the drives. So yeah, killer fast uh, SSD from Samsung with plenty of capacity as well. What are we talking about price point wise on this thing? Usually when you talk about the highest capacity drives, you uh, command a little bit more of a premium. Is that the case here? 
Yes. So not only because of the capacity, but because performance. Um, right now, according to Amazon pricing, you know, street pricing, it drives about 24 cents a gigabyte. So you can score the two terabyte drive for about $488. And that does make it one of the, the more expensive consumer oriented uh, NVMe SSDs on the market. But it's also arguably the fastest, maybe the second fastest. So the, the 970 Pro series doesn't have a feature called turbo write where it uses a part of the drive as an slc cache these drives have to do that because they're using tlc nand so if you exhaust that that turbo write cache writes kind of fall off but we're talking it's like you have to write a multi-gigabyte file to do that so for most consumer workloads it shouldn't matter so yeah there is a bit of a premium but i i these drives are super popular and they're arguably among the best out there so you can sort of command a premium with these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you say arguably among the best. If you had to, if you had to pick, um, you know, price notwithstanding. So you know, uh, not not an object. If you had to pick an SSD to drop into your system, and folks, this isn't sponsored. I'm putting Marco on the spot. <laughs> Would you would you go with the Evo uh, 970 Evo Plus? Is that uh, fair? Would that be your my pick? my ideal setup would be an Intel Optane 905P for my uh, OS and boot volume, and one of these for everything else. So throw gotcha. your OS on your you know on on the Optane drive where you'll get those awesome you know all that awesome 4K random performance and consistency. But for all your bulk files where you might be moving tons of stuff around and you need those super high sequentials, then this guy. So like this would be awesome for like your Steam volume. It's got many uh, you know many many gigabytes of games and throw your OS and apps on an Optane and you've got a super killer setup right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we we yeah, uh, money's no object though. Optane's more expensive, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's certainly better values in in the market. Slightly better values. I mean, I think well, what's the cheapest we've seen? Um, was it um, was it Micron or Crucial that came out with uh, a series of drives? Uh, Performance wise, yeah. not on the same level, but like sub twenty cents a gig or something. Right. Last time I checked, the Crucial P1 was the least expensive per gigabyte. It was like thirteen cents a gigabyte. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to notice? Enough, I to say just quickly, I got two drives in, um, one from Seagate, believe it or not, and another from Kingston that are affordable gumsticks that are really fast. So I'm going to try to burn those reviews out. So those are affor more affordable, not quite as fast as the Evo Plus, but really nice drives nonetheless, and uh, a much lower price point. So hopefully those reviews I can crank out quickly. Boy, I tell you, SSDs and, and memory in general always seem to be squeezing, and especially in the land of storage, uh, solid-state drive technology uh, continues to to get to be a, a better and better deal. Do do you need the kind of performance, and then we'll move on to the next one, do you need the kind of performance of a 3.5 gigs per second read and write kind of drive like the 970 EVO Plus uh, versus a, 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 a drive like the Crucial Drive? I mean, do, will, the, will the average enthusiast let's just say maybe not the hardcore you know videographer or somebody like that but the average enthusiast do you need that kind of throughput no it's the the it's the 4k transfers that are more important but storage is like the bottleneck in most systems so go with the fastest you can afford what i what i will say it seems like if you buy a drive from a reputable manufacturer and it was released like in the last five months 
you almost can't go wrong. There's a lot of really good NVMe drives out there. Amen. Amen. And uh, with that, we will move on. Good stuff uh, in the land of SSDs. Uh, Whoa, there goes my mic deciding to fall down <laughs> as I'm speaking. Love that. <laughs> you don't need that. Yeah. No, whatever. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, good stuff in terms of value these days. And, uh, yeah, keeps getting better and better to be uh, in the PC space. Well, let's move on and, and actually stay on the brand of Samsung um, and shift gears to mobile. <clears throat> might as well. And uh, talk a little bit something about um, uh, a, a phone, a device from the good folks at Samsung that um, we sort of took our time coming out of the gate with. We started with the Samsung Galaxy S10 Plus, the big boy in the family. We circled back to review the Samsung Galaxy S10e, every bit of flagship for less is what we say. And uh, our good buddy, Paul Lilly, uh, wrote this one up for us, put it through its paces. There it is right there in, in my midst when I was checking it out at the uh, the launch event in New York. Um, but this is an interesting option in uh, Android phones in the market currently uh, because it brings basically everything that um, an, an S10 Plus brings to the party with the exception of um, a couple of different camera options are, are a little bit less of an option in terms of uh, cameras on, on the on the phone, um, but it, all the performance that you would that you would expect from the flagship device. So Snapdragon eight fifty five processor, uh, six or eight gigs of RAM depending on the put up. One hundred twenty eight gigs of storage. Two fifty six gig is also an option, um, and then you get. Um, a, a number of uh, camera options as well here. You've got rear-facing camera, 12-megapixel rear-facing wide-angle with uh, optical image st stabilization and autofocus, and a 16-megapixel ultra-wide-angle um, uh, shooter as well, and then a front-facing 10-megapixel shooter. Shoots 4K 60 frames per second. Um, so decked out in terms of the camera uh, accoutrements, if you will, but for me, this phone really strikes a nice balance from a cost and size standpoint. There's a lot of folks, when you get north of uh, a six-inch device, um, it's just a little too large. It's not, it's not as pocketable. Um, it, it, some folks, I mean, hey, let's just face it, you're... You know, especially the ladies, you're, it's just big in the hand and awkward. Um, That's what she and, said. Uh, that, <laughs> <laughs> you I knew you were coming with that. Yes, that's what she said. And uh, <laughs> gotta gotta mix it up. And yeah, so you know, it, uh, those large devices, you know, the north of six six and a quarter inch displays are not always optimal for everybody. And so this is a five point eight inch. Full HD, uh, 1080p display, but again, it's Samsung's amazingly excellent uh, dynamic AMOLED display, and and in it's an, it's the Infinity O display. I don't know, John, if you can get that back up on screen, but has the uh, the bullet punch out for the camera on the front. There it is in Paul's hand. Um, so super thin bezels does have that little bullet punch out for the for the selfie cam, but that display, that AMOLED display, from, uh, that technology from Samsung is some of the best, if not the best on the market currently. Um, the only other phone that I've seen compete, um, but again, is a big phone, is this guy right here. Uh, as you can see, blowing out the uh, camera. Let me see if I can trim her down here. But um, this is the OnePlus 7 Pro. Uh, this is a big honking 6.7 inch phone, really big device. Um, and at any rate, um, the Galaxy S10e just fits a little bit more manageable footprint with um, 
you know, a, a display that is uh, just fabulous. And I think the only other device um, on the market, as I was mentioning there, is the OnePlus 7 Pro. Currently, I think it, with its 90 hertz AMOLED display, probably in some cases, uh, depending on, uh, you know, whether or not you're a power user um, and, and appreciate that 90 hertz. I don't know if you have to be a power user, but you, you, you like that extra crispy, so to speak. Maybe it's a little bit better than uh, Samsung's uh, AMOLED technology, but really, um, yeah, the Galaxy S10e, um, what can we say? I mean, in terms of benchmarks, you know, it, it's right up there with any Snapdragon 855. It's it's pretty, um, you know, on par with, with anything out there in this new crop of uh, next generation phones, Android phones. Um, and Samsung does a really nice job on the camera side of the, uh, the equation. There's your, there's your benchmarks there, Jetstream. Um, and that's a JavaScript, JavaScript benchmark. Um, when you, when you look at camera performance, um, it, it puts up some beautiful shots. Some folks say with Samsung, you get a little bit more saturation, uh, a little bit too saturated sometimes, um, versus say like a pixel three where things are, a little bit more natural. I tend to like the pop and the brightness of Samsung um, produced uh, uh, images um, in, in their camera array. I think it I think it performs well. Paul, there's a couple of shots that Paul took. Um, and, you know, it's it's rich and vibrant. I, I tend to think sometimes, you know, all, although Pixel does a really good job of, um, you know, capturing in low light situations, especially, um, I tend to think sometimes uh, Pixel Three and you know Google Pixel phones in general look a little bit muted. And maybe that's because I like that extra saturation, that pop that Samsung brings. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely worthy of consideration if you don't feel like dropping a grand plus on a phone. Uh, this device with its six gigabyte of RAM setup and uh, 128 gigs of storage starts at 649. Um, let me see if I can confirm that um, on Amazon. Actually, currently right now retailing for six thirty one. Um, so you know you don't have to drop a K <laughs> these days. And the uh, One Plus Seven Pro, by the way, another great value uh, phone in, in my opinion, <laughs> premium flagship um, for uh, six ninety nine, six forty nine. I think at its lowest configuration with eight gig of RAM, one twenty eight gigs of storage. But let's shift back to Samsung. What do you what do you think about the Galaxy S10e, Marco? Um, uh, other than uh, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. If if you're not someone that needs just a massive giant phone, you don't care about the bells and whistles like the curved screen or the you know the 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 wireless charging from phone to phone. Some of the extra things that the higher end S10 devices have. This thing is is killer for the price because you get that awesome performance from today's top end SOC, six gigs of RAM is plenty for, you know, 99% of the people out there. And it is a nice pocketable size with a good camera. There's, there's minimal drawbacks and, you know, lots to like for the money. So yeah, I think it's uh, the 10 If the size is for you, it's, it's a good, it's a good buy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a, you know, a better buy, especially if you're, if you're looking for something that's a little bit more pocketable. Um, and, and this phone, when you consider, you know, versus an iPhone 10, what you're getting horsepower wise in terms of the display versus like an iPhone 10R, for example. I mean, it is, it's a great, it's a great value. I mean, folks are used to paying $750 and up for, for Apple's latest bobble and uh, Android still uh, has a better value proposition all around, I think, in some of these 
higher end phones. Once you get up into the upper upper mid range and uh, and flagship status uh, of like a Galaxy S10 series or a, uh, a OnePlus 7 series. So good stuff from the folks at Samsung. Um, their, their One UI, let's talk about that real quick. Marco, I know you've played with it a little bit lately. What do you think about their software setup before we move on here? Is it, um, it used to be for me, even, you know, back in the, the S9 uh, days, a little, still a little clunky for me. Um, what, 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 are your, what are your thoughts? I think it's infinitely better than the reputation they used to have. Um, yeah. I, I was a, I've been a Samsung user, except for my, my brief stint there as a Windows phone user. I basically had everything from the Galaxy S2 on up to like the S6 or S7. And now I'm on a Note 8. And those earlier phones that Samsung sort of deserved some of the bad reputation for bit rot and touch whiz slowing things down. Um, this Note 8, I literally haven't had to do anything since I set it up. It's got good maintenance routines built in. Battery life has been good. It doesn't get, you know, laggy and weird. It just it just works. So, yeah, it, there has to be some customization to handle all of the bells and whistles built into the phones. And I think Samsung has, you know, it's not quite as clean as a Pixel or even like something from OnePlus, but their their, their previous reputation should have been washed away at this point because it's, it's much better now. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it's funny you you mentioned uh, not quite as clean as some of the Pixel phones. I'm actually of the opinion now that um, Google's gone a little bit too far in spots with flattening the the UI, such that things are you know they they love to make it you know blindingly simple, like it's just nothing on the on the screen sometimes for cues, and you know whether it be the home screen um, and having to do more swipe gestures with that or what have you, it just to me, it's they've 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 dumbed it down a little too much, and maybe that's the geek in me that wants the knobs and the and the bells and whistles back. I don't know, but but nothing crazy. I like what OnePlus does. I, I really like what what they do. It's probably my favorite uh, mobile OS right now uh, with the Oxygen OS that OnePlus puts up. But um, Samsung, I think you're right. I think they've upped their game, and that's uh, pr- probably a pretty close second for me. Um, good stuff. Check it out. The Samsung Galaxy SE. I just got through dropping that link in the chat, so check that out. We'll have it in the description as well as a link to our sponsor, the good folks at Gigabyte, who you heard. Uh, we'll, we'll get that out as well, a link there uh, for the X570 AMD series boards uh, that they're coming out with. Uh, let's, let's uh, on that vein, in that note, talk about uh, something in the gaming realm, a PC gaming, PC master race, if you will. HP's Omen X Imperium 65 review. That was another one we put up recently. A massive 144 hertz 4K G-Sync gaming experience. There it is. Our good buddy Brandon Hill wrote this one up and uh, did a nice job with uh, not only getting this behemoth into his living room, <laughs> but uh, putting it through its through its paces. Has integrated um, uh, NVIDIA Shield TV, Android TV. Um, uh, on board, uh, as well as G-Sync and uh, 4K 144 hertz. I mean, holy mackerel, if you've got a powerful PC to drive it, uh, impressive stuff. Marco, I know you actually drove it way back at CES in January. What were your thoughts back then of this BFGD? BFGD, is that the name? Big gaming yeah. display? Anyway. Big format gaming <laughs> So it, it's... 
from the demo at CES, you, you you can't help but walk away going, wow, that was sick. Like if you take all of the specs that a gamer would want in a screen, right? 144 hertz, um, G-Sync, huge panel, 65 inches, 178 degree viewing angle, multiple inputs, HDMI, DisplayPort, what have you, it's all in there. Includes a, a monstrous sound bar, should you want to use it. It basically hits all of the points you'd want in an awesome gaming display. Now, now that we've had it in house, and this tends to happen when you get to review something versus being demoed something, you know, at, at a trade show, you kind of figure out some of the idiosyncrasies. Now, Brandon dug in pretty deep, and then what what you find is because it's using an MVA panel, things do get washed out as you go, you know, to the far extremes on either side. It's going to happen with some displays. It's a gaming display, so you're meant to be right in front of it. Maybe you can forgive that one. But what was kind of weird to me was it's it's not a television. It's a display. It doesn't have a tuner in there. But it does have a NVIDIA Shield built in. So you, it's designed to be used for media and entertainment as well. But switching between the Shield and gaming mode, you can't actually use the Shield remote. You have to go to the TV and, and switch inputs. And that's really kind of clunky. And... Mm. I'm a Shield user daily. That's what I canceled cable, and my Shield is like the hub of my entertainment system. I use the voice yeah. control for a lot of stuff. And when I was editing the piece, I'm like, Brandon, are you sure? Can you check this? Can you check this? Can you hit the microphone and say this and see how it behaves? And yeah, like lots of the voice controls didn't work. You couldn't even shut it off with the voice control. So it was like, I want to love it because it's so cool. But for five <laughs> grand, for five grand, there's some some shortcomings. For for five grand, you got to have a whole lot of perfect going on, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough. It's a tough gig when you have an ultra premium product like that. <clears throat> when you think about some of the sixty-five inch TVs that you can get on smart TVs from Toshiba and um, TCL for like six hundred bucks. I mean, it's just it's crazy um, how good a deal you know large four K TVs are these days, but this is a different ball of wax. This is 144 Hertz. It's G-Sync. It's, you know, it's a gaming monitor. Um, did, did we not come to the assumption, uh, to, to the assertion or the summary or whatever, um, that this was a great gaming display, but perhaps not, not so great at TV viewing in, in general. What, what were there? I know there were a couple of gotchas on that front as well. So it, if you're in front of it, it is great for media because it's a, a high, it's a high-end 4K HDR panel. And it is a great gaming display for all those features that we've mentioned. And you, you bring up the lower price TVs. Um, yes, you can get a 4K HDR TV of a similar size. But what those don't get you are the higher refresh rates. Plus, the input lag is usually kind of crappy on TVs, even if you switch to game mode. Whereas that's not an issue with a, a you know a tuned gaming display like this. And input lag stinks, so th that does noticeably impact the experience. It was just the the somewhat clunkiness of the of the remote and navigating through the menus, uh, switching between shield mode and PC, and the the off axis viewing that sort of diminishes something like this. If it's just for you and you're rich, it's been, you're going to be sitting right in front of it. Uh, you'll probably freaking enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things. You don't have to yeah. be rich. You just shift your priorities. You know, you don't have to eat for a couple of weeks, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, interesting stuff. Yeah. Good, good, uh, 
Good summary there. Thanks, Marco. Yeah, no, we we're, we see these, uh, we, we heard about these um, TVs, or excuse me, these displays, um, you know, years ago from, from the folks at NVIDIA. And um, it seems like it took them a while to, perf to perfect the, the implementation. There was a lot of, there's a lot of technology going on to get the display with this kind of, you know, quality for, for gaming, input lag, all that good stuff. And HP, you have to, you know, applaud HP for actually coming to market with something that's, it's here, it's it's the full, I guess maybe this is a fair, um, you know, summary would be, this is the full implementation of, of what NVIDIA, you know, sort of put forth as big format gaming displays, right? Is that a fair, probably about the best iteration of that technology we've seen so far? Well, there was only two. There was, there's this one and one from Asus and the Asus one I don't think has shipped yet. Um, so I mean, this it was one of the the, the I guess maybe Acer had one too. It, it was one it was of the more, yeah, yeah. It, it was one of the the vehicles that Nvidia used to show it off. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's shift gears out of that and uh, step back into um, <laughs> a time not forgotten because retro these days is. Uh, is uh, making a comeback for sure. Uh, the C64 is a full-size Commodore 64 reboot for the 1980s retro gaming. Um, just, uh, you know, warms the, the cockles of your geek heart, doesn't it? <laughs> there it is, <laughs> the C64. Marco, this is your jam for sure. Uh, what do you think about this little fella? And uh, what are the ins and outs and the implications? I mean, is, 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 is all this technology for Commodore now sort of... Um, available sort of public domain that people can come out with this knockoff stuff. I'm wondering what the implications are there too. No, so so this is this is licensed. Uh, before I get to it, we had a question from Gregory Miller who was asking about oh, nice. uh, video reviews of a, a MSI specific notebook. Gre Gregory, we, um, we haven't looked at that particular machine, but I sent a link to our notebook reviews. We do have two other machines based uh, on uh, NVIDIA RTX technology that we have reviewed, just not that particular MSI one. Now, uh, getting back to the uh, C64, this thing is pretty awesome. So you know, the last few months, I think it, maybe it's almost a year now, the C64 Mini has been out there. C64 Mini is a little tiny arm-based, you know, a little handheld uh, yeah. Mini Commodore 64. The keyboard doesn't work. It's got a couple of USB ports on it, but it includes a bunch of games. And it also, it does run a little C64 emulator. So if you have a flash drive, you can load C60, other C64 programs. You can even program in basic, just like you're in front of a C64, but you'd have to use a standard keyboard, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. This new guy is the full-sized version of the C64 Mini. So they're calling it the C64, taking Mini off of it, still an ARM-based emulator, but basically an exact replica of a full-sized C64 with the working keyboard and function keys. And they haven't disclosed all of this yet. I'm sure there's going to be a couple of surprises because there were some quirks with the mini with, you know, games that needed multiple joysticks and things like that. And also with how the, the menu is set up for loading your own uh, games. So I'm going to assume that they're going to make that a little easier. And the joystick was notorious for breaking on the mini. So they'll probably address that as well. But this guy is basically a C64 reborn with modern hardware and in a much easier ability to get stuff on it. Like if you're a retro gamer, one of the hardest things of all these old systems is trying to get apps onto the old floppies. You end up having to use like uh, adapters to SD cards and doing a bunch of wacky configurations to, to try to use modern 
uh, interfaces to get onto these old machines. Something like this kind of addresses all that. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get into this. Do you uh, do you go with those stunning HD graphics that they show in the demo? Is that <laughs> is that your jam? <laughs> you, you know what I what I'm toying with the idea of doing. So as cool as I think the full sized one is, I probably would be better off with a mini. Um, what I think would be cool because I have a little spare machine over my left shoulder here for just in case my desktop you know has an issue and I never use it. So what I'm thinking of is parting with this little Sony uh, touchscreen here, getting a cheap four by three monitor, because that's what all those old games would use, and integrating a C64 PCB into it, and then using a regular standard keyboard and mouse. So it would look like a modern, just all in one PC, but when you turn it on, it's a C64. So that would be a fun yeah. little project, but I will see. That's, that's, that's if I had time to do stuff like that, and it has not been the case lately. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know it for sure. Hey, you know, it's it's just it's amazing to me how how um, you know these computers for, of yesteryear, game systems, what have you. Uh, Nintendo did it. Um, you know, now Commodores, you know, or, or this company's coming out with a Commodore uh, reboot. Um, Sega's out there with machines. I mean, it's just it's it's wild to me how you know th this is a real you know market uh, opportunity now. And, you know, business is being, you know, done on it and it's a thing, you know, like people are, people love reliving the, the glory days of, of computing and, and sort of what they learned on as, as, as a youngin, I guess, and uh, sort of strikes a chord. And, you know, if you compare the graphics and the experience versus a current and high-end PC, obviously what we have now under our desk would blow one of these things away, but still... There's something special and cool about it. What is that? What is that thing, Marco? It's just just reliving the, the <laughs> it's 100 percent nostalgia. Yeah, you know, for me, I'm also nostalgic about the, the trailblazers that that sort of that made these machines because yeah. stuff like this just didn't exist. They didn't know what people needed, didn't know what people wanted, and with the Commodore, with Commodore in particular, you know, Jack Tremiel was like, "I'm going to make." a computer that's cheap, that everybody's going to want, going to undercut everybody and just make it the best machine for the money. And that's why the Commodore 64 was the best-selling single model computer of all time. And that's why people yeah. still love it. And they and they still work. You know, like this is like kind of funny stuff to think about. The C64 came out, oh, what was it, 1983, whatever. Never been an OS update and boots instantly. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's just, yeah. the computers don't behave like that anymore. You literally just turn it on and bang, you're ready to use it. So it's just totally nostalgia. But for me, it's also nostalgic because I, I kind of admire the, the Trailblazers, Waz, and the guys at Commodore. It's just the cool, cool stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. Good stuff for sure. Check that out. Uh, we, uh, I put a link, I think I put a link in there. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, looks like we may have a spammer. I don't know. <clears throat> Anyways. Uh, yeah, check that out uh, at hot hardware. We've got a little news post on that and uh, I think they'll be going for sale shortly. Are they for sale now, Marco? Did you see that? Yeah, no, they'll, they'll be ready for Christmas. Ready for Christmas. Christmas. Uh, there you go. They'll sell a few of those for sure. All right. Well, mm -hmm. let's, uh, let's close up with, uh, something a little controversial and, uh, and then uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll finish up here. Study finds uh, study claims Google Chrome is total spyware, and you should run to Firefox now. Now, <laughs> believe it or not, the guy that 
uh, you know, we cited his source in this article, um, uh, did not have an axe to grind, did not have, uh, you know, some sort of, um, you know, affiliation uh, with uh, Firefox or what have you, seemed like a fairly balanced report from uh, uh, a Washington Post journalist by the name of Gre uh, Jeffrey Fowler. And <clears throat> he basically did a, a study where he looked at, um, you know, Chrome's handling of data versus other browsers and, you know, what it, how it affects, you know, the experience from a privacy standpoint, how it handles cookies, um, how it's tracking you and all that good stuff. And he said he took a deep dive into Chrome's handling of the data and also ran various experiments to see what really was underneath the hood. In one instance, he found that a week's worth of web surfing uncovered 11,000 or so requests for tracking codes that Chrome allowed by default, all of which Firefox, on the other hand, blocked automatically. And for example, he we're quoting him now, Chrome welcome trackers, even at websites you'd think would be private. Fowler wrote, for, for example, he claims Aetna and the federal student aid website set cookies for Facebook and Google, which in turn told the tech giants whenever he would pull up an insurance and loan services, when, when he pulled up these pages, it, it would signal back to them, to Google or Facebook. He claims that Google sneakily signs him into this account. Now, we all know that when you're signed into, into uh, Gmail um, in in you're you're for you're running a Chrome browser. You're logged into Google, and so Google is, of course, data mining wherever you go. And uh, incognito mode doesn't always fix that that tracking. Um, it's not as simple as that. And uh, there's other ways of shutting down and locking down um, Google's, you know, that Chrome's ability to track your 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 data and where you've been and your your you know cooking cooking your machine at, at various sites. Um but <clears throat> he he argues that Firefox does this more by default to to implement privacy protections that users, the average Joe or Jane doesn't have to dig deep into the knobs and dials to tweak and 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 make more secure for, for your privacy. Now a lot of folks will also contend that this is a little bit of tinfoil hat, uh, you know, sort of mindset that, hey, you know, if you're, as long as you're not, you know, surfing the dark web for nefarious things, uh, you don't have anything to, to worry about. Why, why do you care whether or not you're being tracked for basically for advertising and marketing purposes? And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a case to be made for that. But I, I think it's also, hey, some people just don't appreciate having big corporate in their shorts all the time. What are your thoughts about this, Marco? I wanted to, I wanted to get your opinion on it. And, um, you know, honestly, I still run Chrome because it's just one of my favorite browser implementations. I've switched back between Firefox and Chrome. Don't really care too much uh, that Google's tracking me. I kind of, I don't know. Sometimes I get weirded out a little bit when I see something a little too uh, instantaneous from my last search or even a mention or something. I mean, obviously it's kind of creepy, you know, right away when you start seeing related ads for, you know, something you just looked at that's kind of specific to you. But I'm okay with it in general. What, what do you, how do you feel about this uh, this little claim that this uh, Washington Post journalist is making? Yeah, so I think there was lots of folks critical of this particular journalist. Um, 
I'm not going to pretend that I know the intricacies of everything that he tested and if he's spot on with everything, but I'm going to tell two, two quick things. One, yeah. I'm going to tell a story. You and I were chatting one day through, <laughs> yeah. through you remember this, right? Chatting I through do. hangouts and you had somebody there. I think it was called hydro seating. It was seating your yard. Was that, is that what it was called? Yes. When you have the yep. seat. I had never heard that term before, never searched for it, never done anything related to it. And just because you and I chatted through IM about it, I started getting ads for it through Facebook. So and we were chatting through Google Hangouts. So obviously yeah. Google was funneling data to Facebook back and forth, whatever. That's that stuff happens, right? The yep. other thing to consider is Alphabet, Google, it's an advertising company. So if anyone's going to be a little lax as to what's being tracked and sold and moved around is probably mm. going to be Google, no matter what they want people to believe. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Chrome right. was shuttling more data. But again, I mean, as crappy as it is, I, I don't think we can expect to have our privacy online unless we're taking measures specifically to try to maintain it. So I, I think it is what it is. I'm I'm with you there. I think it's just something we have to contend with. Yeah, you you make a good point. If if you are concerned about your privacy online for any any myriad of reasons, and you know it always it always cracks me up when when uh, yeah Duck Duck Go uh, Gregor Miller says in the chat that's you can if you want to use a private search engine, there's one for you Duck Duck Go. Um, yeah. But you know it always it always it, it cracks me up when people jump into the comments of our site with with an article like this, and they're like very passionate about you know uh if if you're if you're in the if you're on the web you shouldn't you know these these companies are just you know milking you and all this different stuff it's like well yeah that's that's the business model that's i mean one of the core businesses of google is as you noted advertising it just comes with the territory and it also pays for a lot of the services frankly that you're getting free on the internet so I'm I'm a little bit more with you. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm hey, it's part of the ecosystem. It's it, it's it's healthy on a certain level because it does fund the experience that you're that you have on the web. <clears throat> it pays the bills, keeps the lights on. But by the same token, you you make a good point. If you if you want to go and ensure your privacy online, if you're very passionate about it, you know, like some folks are for any re reason, you know, if you're it doesn't, you know, there's, it runs the gamut. Um, you can, you can be vigilant and turn the knobs and the dials and you have to educate yourself on how to do that. Um, yeah, you could, you could maybe say that right now, I guess the gist of this, Marco, let me see if we can sum this up right now. If you wanted to just default, have a more private browsing experience without having to dig into the knobs and dials to do it, Firefox may be a better option. Based on this guy's Probably. study. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and and I've actually I've actually noticed that as well. And and there are some cases, frankly, where <clears throat> I've seen in previous releases in Firefox where um, the default settings block and break functionality. I've seen Firefox break the comment section on our site, for example, which is core functionality of our property. It's not it's not data mining you, uh, dis the discuss engine. Not not I don't believe it is, anyways. But there's there's cookie the session cookies you know we have to look into that too but there's session cookies and things like that that keeps users logged in to comment and it's it was just breaking it it doesn't do it now the, the current version that I am aware of 
So yeah, there's there's a happy medium there too. You can break web functionality with some of these default blockings that uh, are in uh, you know other other browsers like Firefox. Yeah. So, anyways, I mean, yeah. if, you, if you if you if you ran a VPN and you cleared your browser history on exit, um, kept your anti malware up to date, kept your system patched, you know, you're gonna be pretty good shape. Pre Right. Try not to stay logged into everything. Like you don't have to go nuts to give yourself a little bit of extra, you know, privacy, but you, yeah. you have, if you have a driver's license and a credit card and you, you're not, nothing's private. <laughs> you know, so. I was going to say, what, 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 what's the, 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 uh, the IT guy, the IT managers, uh, um, claim about privacy. If you want something private and secure, disconnect from the internet, just air gather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And even then, somebody can still snoop on you if they're in your house. So, deal right. it. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. <clears throat> well, I think we've uh, I think we've about hit all the high notes. Um, and we should uh, we should wrap here. We're going to try and keep these a little bit more succinct for folks. Um, we will try and be back more in this time frame. We're going to try and bring in uh, you know Wednesday slots, Wednesday sh Wednesday show times, a little bit closer to the to four or five o'clock hour if we can find a spot. Um, where everybody can join us from the team at hothardware.com. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep you posted. We'll be putting out a notice on the site and certainly, uh, to subscribers as well on our YouTube channel where we would hope you would, uh, thumbs up and subscribe here so you can get notified when we go live. That way, when we do change, you, you get a, a heads up. Um, <clears throat> you hit the reminder bell. That's important. You can find us at hothardware.com on the web, facebook.com slash hothardware, youtube.com slash hothardwarevids. Twitter, Hot Hardware, we're everywhere, <clears throat> and we'd love to hear from you. Please, uh, please join us when you can. Marco, any parting words of wisdom? No, everybody has put out some positive vibes for me that the test systems cooperate this week because I need things to go smoothly to get all of this done. And uh, other than that, I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Subscribe, come by the site, hang out with us, chat with us. We dig it. We got to do a giveaway soon. We got to do a giveaway soon. We, we haven't do. done that. I, we're we're going to blow our 20th anniversary year and not give something away. <laughs> yeah, we got to do that soon. We got to we got to have a little party with uh, with a couple of sponsors to give away some good gear to the folks. We used to do that almost every month at, at Hot Hardware on site. We will probably get back to that a little bit more regularly. That was uh, that was fun to be able to give back to the community. Um, so, but thanks for joining us, everybody, and uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for stopping by.